Tina McElroy-Anza, and you're here with two old chicks who know a lot of shit. I'm here as always, happily, with my podcast partner, my co-editor on our book of essays, Meeting at the Table, and my freshman college roommate from Spelman College. Hey, Wanda, how you doing? Hey, Tina. I love that Spelman College reference because all I've been seeing on social media these days is the, the students going back to school, Ooh, my goodness. all that stuff, and the and the fresh. The, they don't call them freshmen anymore. They call them new student, new student orientation. So, new student orientation, yeah. exactly. So just, well, did you see? Did you see our new president out? On, on I did. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 but it just brought and turned back to. 1967, there we were, Tina. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, she and she had on jeans and a T-shirt. She looked like one of the students. She could have looked like one of the students, but she also looked like one of the students from back in our day. Yeah. Because she had on the retro ones, you know, when you turn up. So that was, you know, that that was really good. It was good to yeah. see that. Well, yeah. but how are you doing otherwise? Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good for an old chick, you know. Uh, um, but maybe it's age. After all, I did have that 73rd birthday last. Oh Lord, are we still dragging? Are we still dragging out dragging out the birthday? Yeah, we're still dragging out. But we're all six. We we are allowed. Yeah, but I don't know what it is, but I can't seem to get enough sleep these days. I stay awake at night. I feel like I want to take a nap during the day, which I am not a nap person. I never, ever, ever take naps. Um, but if I do that, and if I take a nap, I might want to. I might not be able to sleep the next night. Sleep so. at night. It is, yeah, it is a quandary. And that has that's never been a, a problem of yours. You've always been a, a good sleeper and able to get all of your sleep. We've been talking about this back and forth because one of the other things, old chicks, as you get older, your body changes, you know, and your needs change. And they say you need less sleep. But mm-hmm. uh, but you should be able to, you know, go back to sleep when you wake up. I, I shared with uh, you earlier, I was think, talking about this counterintuitive trick that I saw in um, a Psychology Today, an article in Psychology Today. And it's to literally tell yourself the opposite of what you want. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to go to sleep. You want your eyes closed. So you say, no, I got to keep my eyes open. I got to keep my eyes open. I got to keep my eyes open. You tell yourself, I've got to stay awake. I've got to stay awake. I'm going to stay awake all night. I'm going to stay awake. You keep telling yourself this over and over again. And the next thing you know, you're in dreamland. Oh, really? And okay. I tried it last night. Did, Did you? you try it? I couldn't, you know what, man, I think I told you this. I couldn't remember if I was supposed to tell myself to stay away from <laughs> myself. <to go> to <laughs> <sleep>. <laughs> so, I, you know, one thing I think I will do that, you know, I'm an early, early to bed person. Uh-huh. I get up fairly early, seven ish, six thirty seven ish. But I think I might want to start staying up a little bit later. And maybe that'll help. Maybe I need to get a little more tired. So we'll see. I'm going to try. I'm going to try your counterintuitive trick if I can remember what to do. And uh, I may have to play back this podcast so I can remember. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, well when, we do, when we do the uh, YouTube for this episode, we'll mm-hmm. put up the uh, the link to that particular article. But Wanda, you kind of have to remember counterintuitive. Okay. So, you know, you, you want to oh. go to counter and uh uh-huh. Counter. The opposite of what I want to do. There you go. There you go. So what's on your mind these days? What's up with you? Wanda, you know what's on my mind. And oh, that's the Seattle Writers Retreat. Oh, we are so excited because applications have started coming in. The 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 uh, writing samples are really good, right? Yeah. yeah, we, yeah they look real, good. I mean, you know, they're they're good. Uh they certainly need work, but they're they're good. You know, sometimes you get 
you know, samples that, you know, you re they really are ready to, you know, workshop. But all of these are, you know, are ready to workshop. And, uh, you know, at any level, as we talked before, you don't have to be at a certain level. You know, whatever level you are, you know, we meet you. We meet you where you are. So uh, we have we have a number of uh, the, the number of applicants is is, is uh, growing, and each time it grows, you know, you and I get on the phone and we go hooray! And uh, but we're looking forward so much to the Sea Island Writers Retreat, which is uh, this November, November second to the sixth, uh, on Tybee Island, Georgia, which is connected sort of uh, near Savannah, Georgia, uh, on the coast, and uh, we're just going to have we're going to have a great time. A yeah. great time. Yeah. And I also applaud the, the, the folks who have uh, applied because I know it's a little nerve wracking. And we've heard from, from people who've said that, that, you know, I don't think I'm ready. You know, if you've got a project and you've been working on it, then that means, you know, you think it's important. You know, if you've spent some time on it, we, we think it's important, too. So, you know, right. please don't hesitate. Yeah. We are excited. It's going to be lit, Wanda. Well, you said from the beginning that it's for writers and emerging writers. So if emerging somebody writers. hasn't published yet, that's okay. But I tell you, I like what you said. You sort of in indicated that you're going to be grading on the curve because we'll meet you where you are. That's what you said. We'll meet you where you are. And I'm thinking, oh, that's good because I'm, if I'm not there yet, then she's going to oh, give me some allowance for that. Yeah. You know, the wonderful thing about writing is that it's a process. So we've been where you are. You know, it's not like you. we don't know that. We've been there. We've been scared, you know. We've been uh, scared to share with people. We've been, uh, you know, uh, miffed because people have, have, you know, not gotten it when they read it because we gave it to the wrong people. Do not share your work with your family, okay? Do not share your Especially work with your family. Especially if you're writing about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have even thought about that. <laughs> Even if you're not <laughs> writing about them, or if you're writing about them, I would keep mom. I would, mm -hmm. I would keep it on the down low because, oh, Lord, everybody's going to have an opinion. And then when it gets published, everybody's going to be on the front row waiting just to get to get a signed book, you know, or going to be on the Zoom waiting to get the signed book. They're going to be bragging at church. Oh, yeah, I was her biggest supporter when she was trying to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, we know, we know all the stages. And like you said, we meet you. We'll, we'll meet you where you are. And the deadline, you you changed the deadline a little bit, extended. I did. We 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 we, get, we advanced the deadline a bit because we you know we we know that again it, you know it's it's uh, it's a cost and people have to you know have families they have to put time aside they have to make sure they use the vacation time all of that so we gave them a little bit more time so the the um the new uh, deadline is August thirty first. Yeah. August 31st. That's a good, good round, good, good round number. And we're, we are, we're waiting to see you. We're, we're waiting to see your applications. We're waiting to see your submissions of your work. So, you know, if, if you can, if you know, can make it happen, if you think it's important enough, please come join us. And yeah. we've already started accepting a few people. So some people have already got. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They got, you know, they got the stuff in and, and uh, we were, you know, we're excited and we're, we're happy to have them. I think, uh, yeah, some acceptance letters have even gone out. So, you know, get your, you know, there are only so many slots. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested, you know, come on, no pressure, just progress. Right. Tina, in uh, this episode, we're going to talk about some culture in our part of the country. That is the Gullah Geechee cult culture and okay. the Gullah Geechee Corridor. Our right. guest 
is someone I describe as a cultural artist, someone who has been a cultural storyteller for almost three decades. Her name is Lillian Grant Baptiste. She lives right here in Savannah, and she has been showcased and her performances have been known to stir souls when she does her storytelling. She, yeah. she, she just, um, she, you know, just right up, you know, storytelling right up by alley one. Absolutely. And absolutely. she, she does this, um, with a lot of cultures, but she particularly focuses on the folk tales from the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, I have known Lillian for a long time, all her life, I will say. And, uh, she has been doing some performances around Savannah, but I never really got to see a full performance until about two weeks ago when I went to see her, see her at 10 o'clock in the morning. I had to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's the worst thing, but I got to see her full performance and I, it was just amazing to me. I mean, I learned so much. I'm from Savannah, but I had mm-hmm. never really had that kind of experience to see her. I've seen little bits and pieces of it. So Lillian, welcome to Two Old Chicks. How are you, girl? I am doing well, and I'm so, so excited to be with y'all this evening. This is just an honor. Oh, well, welcome, welcome. We've we've been talking about you. I told you, I've been hearing about you for a while. So uh, I am so, so pleased to uh, meet you face-to-face and to, and to, you know, pick your brain a little bit. And, all right. Uh, awesome. Share, share, well, share I am ready. Of, really, yeah, I'm I'm share ready. some of all the wisdom and knowledge that uh, that you have that is so fascinating to everybody in the country. Yeah. Everybody. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So Lillian, Tina and I talk about the Gullah Geechee culture all the time. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, we often debate whether it's Gullah Geechee or Geechee Gullah. So we're going to get you to help us. <laughs> So maybe you'll straighten Tina out about that before we end the conversation. I'm of the, I'm of the Gala Geechee and she's the Geechee Gala. So you can tell us which is right. Anyway, okay. um, this culture is part of the reason that Tina founded the Sea Island Writers Retreat. Wonderful. Awesome. Right, Tina? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a from here like y'all. I'm a come here. I'm That's from, all right. I'm, yeah, we I'm love you. Georgia. <laughs> I'm from middle Georgia, but when I the first time I came here, I mean, I was just struck by yes. the atmosphere, by, mm-hmm. by, by our stories. I could just feel them in the air. You know, mm. there's something about, I felt the same way I do about my hometown, but you yes. really know it. And I, yes. I felt it, and, and it not only, I only felt it, it called to me. Oh, I knew yes. where I belong. I knew you need to say where you need to say where here is because everybody may not oh, know where you are now. I'm on St. Simon's Island, Georgia, yes. Wanda, and, and uh, Lillian are in Savannah, up the coast from us. Right. Yes. Uh, I'm on the island across from Brunswick, Georgia, if people know mm-hmm. uh, uh, know, know the state. But the reason that, that I always wanted to live here before we moved here was just what uh, your stories entail. Mm-hmm. You know, just that deep, rich cultural DNA. Yes. In my yes. soul, you know, my folks are from Wrightsville, so I know they immigrated from the, you know, uh, oh God, yes. I, I used that word right, immigrated from the, you know, uh, uh, from the coast. And I just discovered, now I don't know if this is right, correct me, that okay, in, okay, in South Carolina they say Gullah, and in Georgia they say Geechee. So Absolutely. I've always heard it Geechee Gullah because I'm in Georgia, but uh, in fact, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, Gullah is Gullah in South Carolina. That's like Gullah. I want to tell you, I wore my 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 uh, sweetgrass basket earrings. I love those. And, this, I love and, those. and these are definitely Gullah. They were made by by sisters in, in South Carolina. So these are Gullah. 
Those are adorable. What is it? Geechee Gullah. It, it's Gullah. actually, actually, Gus, usually Gullah Geechee. The Gullah uh, is for the individuals who live on the in South Carolina, Geechee for Georgia. Gullah, but we are very, the Gullah Geechee Gullah, culture is very. Gullah Geechee is the order. Hey, that's the order. Gullah that's the Geechee. Order. Okay. That's right. the order. I, Gullah I, Geechee. I, 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 am here, I am here. I am here by correct. <laughs> okay. But please, but please, you know, tell us, um, we have so many questions, but the mm -hmm. first one is, tell us what exactly is the Gullah Geechee culture and, Gullah uh, Geechee. and, and what, what is the Gullah Geechee corridor that, we okay. hear, that we're hearing so much about. Okay. The Gullah Geechee people and their culture um, are deeply, you see the deep African retentions in um, the culture and they are so much so connected um, to their African roots more so, so than any other group of African Americans um, and you see it in the way that they move through the world, the way that we move through the world and uh, their value system, um, their sense of spirituality, their um, food ways, arts um, again, their strong values and you see five prominent value threads and that is a deep um, sense of spirituality, a deep belief in God, um, a strong appreciation for uh, community over individuality, um, mm -hmm. strong kinship bonds, a respect for the land and nature, uh, an admiration and homage for the ancestors, and the connection between life and the afterlife. So the Gullah Geechee culture and people are, are just so special. Um, and the Gullah Geechee Corridor um, is a national heritage um, area that starts in Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, and extends mm -hmm. down to St. Augustine. Uh -huh. And these are those individuals that live on the coast that are part of this Gullah Geechee people and their culture. Mm -hmm. I didn't these know that far to St. Augustine. I thought it mm -hmm. ended right around Jacksonville. And actually it did. And then they decided to extend it um, oh. a few years ago to St. Right above St. Augustine. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, the, so the people that you're talking about, the Geechee Gullah people, all of them are descendants of, of uh, formerly enslaved. Mm -hmm. Formerly enslaved um, Africa and, and, and from many countries in Africa, um, you know, the, the folks who uh, worked on the Gullah and Geechee were actually in Savannah and coastal South Carolina, especially were on the rice plantation. Right. So many of their ancestors came from the rice coast of Africa, Gambia, Senegal, Sierra Leone, Angola. Uh -huh. um, so we see the richness and one of the reasons this culture was allowed or able to, to to flourish was because they were often isolated, you know, on the islands. On the island. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Geographically, they were isolated. And the first bridge was not built in South Carolina, for example, until 1956. So they were oftentimes um did not come in contact with a lot of white folks and um into the, mid, so into the mid 20th century huh absolutely wow. absolutely absolutely and what added to that was 
uh, the planters, malaria, um, it ravaged communities. And uh, the planters during the spring and the summer, they would leave their plantations. Um, and they would often leave them in the hands of their overseers. So they really did not come in contact with a lot of a lot of people. It was they were a lot a lot of white people. So their culture was allowed to really thrive. Yeah. Um, and we see that. And they also and probably were not mixing with other. Absolutely. Cultures. Yeah, they were not. They, so they were didn't not diluted. It just stayed. Mm-hmm. It just Absolutely. That's absolutely it's so, very so interesting. You, I, you know, I started by saying all these wonderful stories that you tell, and um, and you or or you retell a lot of stories, but you do it in such a dramatic and beautiful performance. And um, I, I want to know how did you get started telling those stories? What what led you to the storytelling? Um, it's funny because my grandmother, um. Her people are Gullah Geechee, and uh, they come from around the Charleston area. And my great, it's actually my, not my grandmother, it was my great grandmother who actually raised my mother, my maternal grandmother and uh, great grandmother. And she was an amazing storyteller. And I, my brothers and I would just kind of sit at her feet and she would tell us the most amazing stories um Gullah Geechee stories and I was always just amazed at her ability to stir and teach and I admired that and and I I I took that with me because one thing I've noticed about the stories is they all have a moral Always, always a moral always. For the story because you always story, you know moral. to you know not to steal something or you know to be kind absolutely neighbor and you know how to absolutely take care. yeah yeah that's what I like and there were common themes that we could always see in Gullah Geechee stories where the larger animal would be outwitted by the smaller we know you know like brother rabbit was a, a very common uh character in Gullah Geechee storytelling and and brother rabbit would always use his wit to outsmart brother a wolf and uh brother tiger he would uh, and and those Gullah Geechee people saw themselves in that way like you know God would always justify and right would always win over wrong and we saw that in their stories. Yeah. It was also a way to pass down values and to teach and to comfort and to build. So those stories were so, 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 so important. And I'm glad you're so teaching important. them to young people because Absolutely. they need those lessons early on. Oh, my goodness. We definitely need those lessons. I think now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have another question, but you know, I want to I make sure that we leave enough time for with storytelling. My question was about the language itself, because uh, the culture and the language, but the spe- particularly the language uh, that is being uh, studied, uh, you know, uh, everywhere, all over Yale and Harvard, Emory, uh, Georgia, everywhere. Southern, you know, yes. and, local, and local colleges and large ones. And there's real respect for it now. Absolutely. And so tell us, can you tell us about the language and if you speak it? And I, if, I and don't, if do, unfortunately, if I don't. But, 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 I don't. And Lillian, I want you to do that. But also, when I was growing up, when you were called yes. a Geechee, it was yes. an insult. That's fighting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, but people talked about us as Geechees, those who had a certain accent. So Absolutely. talk about language and how we really tried to get rid of it, yes. our accents. And now it seems like we're those embracing who, it. Embracing yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, so, of but, course. But, 
do do few people speak it now? I mean, are you not are, as many people speak it now as they you I can remember growing up, I knew um one of my best friends, she was from Defusky Island and um she spoke it quite well. And I knew other people. I know very few people now that really speak the land. Now it was beginning to be popular again. But uh -huh. like Rhonda said, it was something that was shunned. If you, you know, don't speak that Geechee. Don't speak that Geechee. We don't want to hear that. That's nothing. Because it was looked down upon. People did not speak it. They would. They was ashamed. They were ashamed of it. Now we are embracing it. And we're embracing that the, the entire culture, Gullah Geechee culture, understanding that that's how we're rooted and, and grounded and how important it is that we grab hold of our culture and our language and, and that strengthens us. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, always, I always say I want to take our culture and just snatch it back, you know, yes. when it's made fun of or when Absolutely. You know, something that was deeply important to us. Yes. I just want to grab it and just snatch it Take back. it back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we realize just who we are, the strength of our people, mm -hmm. oh my God, that is, you know, that we survived, that we not only survived, but we thrived and we were able to hold on to certain things and those things held us and, and kept us strong and kept us rooted. How powerful is that? How powerful that is. If we don't need it now, when do we need it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Lillian, I want I really want to get into a story. So okay. I call you a master storyteller. <laughs> uh, so would you share one of the many stories you tell? You I will. I would gladly share um, <laughs> one of my favorite stories. Um, this story is a story that actually I... My, the first time I heard the story, um, my grandmother told me the story, my great grandmother's story. It's one of my favorite. It's my signature story. It's called The People Could Fly. So here we go. They tell me that way back when, before our people came to this land, they tell me that there were certain Africans they knew how to fly. They said they would just lift up their arms and they would just fly free like a bird. But then the Europeans came and brought misery to the land. And they tell me that our people were so miserable that they forgot how to fly. But there were certain Africans that looked just like every other African that came to this same place, swept around where we are, and lived and worked. And there were certain Africans that remembered the magical words that resided within them and remembered how to fly. And there was one elder by the name of Jeremiah who lived and worked on a rice plantation not too far from where you are, Tina. And they tell me that his daughter was weary and tired. She had just had a baby. But as she stepped out on that rice field, it was hot. And as the sun beamed down on her face, she became weary and warm. 
she fell to the ground and they tell me that the oversell with her until her dress fell like rags to the ground. But her father, he knew Jeremiah. Her father knew the magic that resided within her. So they tell me that the overseer, as he rode away, old Jeremiah walked up close to her and he held her. He said, it's time now, my daughter, to do as I know you know how to do. It's time to fly. And he whispered some deep, dark, black African words. And they tell me And lifted one foot above the other and she lifted up and she rode the wind like a horse and she flew over that old rice plantation. They tell me she flew over the indigo plantation. She flew on and she flew over the tobacco fields and she flew over the cotton fields and she turned and flew over the middle passage our journey home and she flew over weeping and wailing and she flew home to freedom. Well, the next day, it was even hotter than it was the day before. And there were Africans all over that field. And old Jeremiah stood there. And he whispered at first those deep, dark, black African words. And all of a sudden, one by one by one by one, those old Gullagichis, they began to lift up. And one by one, they began to fly. And they flew over that old rice field and the indigo fields and the cotton fields and the tobacco fields and they shifted and they flew over the Atlantic Ocean where the bones of our ancestors rest on the floor. And they flew over weary days and warm nights and they flew home to freedom. And I believe that one day we will wake up with those deep, dark, black African words, and they will bubble up, and we will be shaken and awakened from our collective slumber, and we will remember who we are, that we are descendants of a people who have been beaten, but not broken, cast down, but not destroyed, but not shattered and on that day we will lift up our arms and they will become like wings and we will fly again we will fly above injustice we will fly above inhumane practices we will fly above stand your ground we will fly above violence we will fly above racism and misogyny. We will fly above those things that destroy and dismantle who we are as a people. And we will remember who we are and whose we are. And one day soon, we will fly, fly, fly again. Ashe. Amen. <laughs> That was wonderful. It was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That must wear you out. It does. At a time, right? Huh, yes, I do. When I do um story, I normally my programs are usually about an hour. Mm -hmm. Thank you again. So Lillian. that was wonderful. Thank you. So, much. so Lillian, we so appreciate you um uh, keeping the cultural alive through your many performances and storytelling presentations. 
Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you and have you tell stories somewhere else, how do they do that? They can, they can even go to my website, www.liliangrantbaptiste. They can um, send me an email at my email at liliangrantbaptiste at gmail. They can even call me. My telephone number is 912-373-4743. Um, 912-373-4743. I would and, love And your number to... is on the website, right? Yes. All Wait, of that is on yeah. the website. Okay. So I would love to, um, that's what I do. I love it. Well, we just want to thank you for keeping the culture alive. It's so special. And I'm just glad that people like you who are still doing that so that young people don't have to feel the way we were taught to feel, at least those of us in Savannah, that you should hide your culture so that you assimilate and become like everybody else. Absolutely. Really special. And and also that, that, you know, folks who never even knew this, never you know, heard about it before, you know, it opens up a whole, for, like for myself, it opened up a whole portal of, um, of creativity and appreciation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, moved, and moved my butt down here. <laughs> I know, we need you to move down here. <laughs> I've been down, well, we've been here yeah. almost uh, yeah. over 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I'm still, I know, I'm still, I'm still to come here. That uh, uh, Wanda and uh, Lillian are, are from here, as they call themselves, and they always uh, tell me, you know, we love you, Tina, but you know, you're from, you'll come here, you know. <laughs> I, I think the pronunciation in the language is come ya and from ya. That's it. Come ya and, and, and from ya. That's it. Yeah. Oh, say Absolutely. it again. No, no, say it again. Go ahead, Lillian. Come ya and from ya. <laughs> come ya that's and wonderful. from ya. Yeah. Now that's. Oh gosh, yeah, that's it. That's it, right there. Well, that's great, Lily. Thank you so much, and we'll be seeing more. And listen, you and I have been talking about you got to write a book someday, so I am. Put in mind, I am. Okay, very good. It's been wonderful. You, you, you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. So um, before we end this podcast, Tina and I want to drop some wisdom as if our last discussion wasn't wisdom enough. Right, Tina? That was a lot of wisdom. That was, that was a lot of wisdom to take here. But it's so wonderful to have a podcast, you know, so you can go back and listen to it again. Absolutely. I'm going to go back and listen to the story again when we get off, as a matter of fact. Oh, great. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wisdom, we're going to be dropping some, right? Yes, we're going to drop some wisdom. Okay, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, Tina, my wisdom is for grandparents and parents of children who are young enough to still learn this lesson. Teach your children how to talk. Let me say it again. Teach your children how to talk. I, as you know, Tina, I mentor and work with children in middle school and high school. And I'm here to tell you, they don't know how to talk. They do not know how to talk to adults. They seem scared to speak up, to answer simple questions like, what grade are you in? Or what's your name? What are you interested what in? What are you interested yes. in? What do you want to be? That was the question when we grew up. Everybody would ask, well, what do you want to be when you want grow up? want to be when you grow up. Yeah. And sometimes we knew it. You know, I think I knew it earlier than some. <laughs> but sometimes we didn't. But, it, but that opens the door to have a conversation. Have a conversation. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Wanda. My words, my words matter, girl. To have a conversation, not to conversate. No, not to, to have a conversation. <laughs> okay, so Tina's teasing me. She's teasing me about my uh, 
my TED talk where I words matter. Words matter. <laughs> and I told people don't don't use conversation, but that's that's okay. We can move on from there. So um and then when I was at Savannah State, and this isn't just little kids, even when I was at Savannah State as a professor, a lot of this young people didn't know how to talk to adults. I wonder if because this generation has their heads stuck in a in their phones and video games and movies streaming on TV or their tablets. But you, we, we had our heads stuck in a book all the time. At least I did. Um, we still were taught, but we were taught to speak up, Wanda. I think yes. that's the important thing. Yes. We were taught to. I can remember, you know, don't mumble. She can't, you know, Mrs. So-and-so can't hear you mm-hmm. speak up. You know, and I, the other thing that you know about uh, from your own experience is how, uh, especially uh, children of color, Young young people of color miss out on so many opportunities because they just won't speak up. Exactly, you know they 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 have to be drawn out in every conversation, you know. And instead of you know, as you're saying, being taught to you know talk to an adult, you know. Yeah, a lot of people don't. You know, I don't know if it's maybe because um, you know when we were growing up, we had dinner at the dinner table and. And we would have a conversation. Well, what did you do in school today? Well, what did Miss So and So say about that? Well, what about your friend Tommy? How's that? You know, what is? What What about your practice for your dancing or your drama club or your sports? We had conversations with our parents. They engaged uh-huh. us in conversations. And quite frankly, in my house, not all, I'm sure, they talked about what was going on in the world because we always had two newspapers coming in. So we were well read and we were watching the news, you know, six o'clock news every night. We were on the, on, in front of the TV watching that one hour. Of <laughs> we got, we read Ebony, we read Jet along yes. with uh, Time yes. and, yeah. and, you know, and the uh, Look magazine and, and all, and all the rest. But, you know, but you put your finger on it so, so uh, clearly, Wanda, is that they have, you have to be shown and they have to be taught to talk. They have to be engaged, as you said, like at the dinner table. I, the question at my dinner table was from dad was, well, what, what did you do today? Yes. You know, and you had to have something to do other than went to school. Yes. You know, that was, you know, you had to engage in some way. And uh, you're right. Uh, uh, and encouraging your children to speak to your to your friends and, you know, and talk, talk to, 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 to Miss Mary down yeah. the street or in church. You know, we learn how to do speeches in church, you know, Easter yeah. speeches and Christmas cantatas and speeches. There were always opportunities for us to learn. And I don't know that everybody is doing that now. But this summer I was volunteering in a summer camp right here in Savannah. Mm-hmm. And we were teaching uh, over a course of a, the course of a few Saturdays about digital reporting. That is how you tell stories using devices like your phone and your and the tablets. And we actually gave them phones and we had tablets that they could use. So they had no excuse but to go out and take pictures and then come back and talk about the pictures they took and then write a little story and put it on, on a digital platform that we mm-hmm. provided. These were high school students. I had some students, we were sitting around a table um, a few times and I had some students who would be sitting right next to me and I would ask them, well, what did you see? What is this picture about? They, I couldn't hear them sitting next to them. And I yeah. threatened one young lady. I said, I'm going to go stand way in. The, we were in like a, a, a cafeteria, a, a room that size. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm going to go all the way on the other side. And I want you to just yell at me what your picture is about. I mean, she said, no, I can't talk loud. She, she just refused to do it. So, you know, that, that speaks to how uncomfortable, yeah. you know, we are in, in doing those things. And the only way to get comfortable is practice. Only way to do it is get practice. You can't learn anything. You know, you can go so far in the book, but you got to finally do some uh, do some practice, some some practical work. Right. Uh, so I think oh, that's such an important one. And especially for young parents, 
you know, who may not have been taught what you're saying. So they right. don't know to pass it on to their children. I think it's, you know, if you're listening and, you know, you weren't taught that, you know, it's, it's good to start that tradition in your family. Huh? Absolutely. So I'm going to get down off this soapbox because I could be on this soapbox all night trying to give people some tools for this, but this is my wisdom. Teach your children that it's okay to talk to friendly adults. You know, we're not telling them to go out there and talk to strangers and people who are creepy. We're talking about talk to people in your neighborhood, people who come to your house just to say, hey, how you doing? People that you know are safe. If they ask you what you want to do in their life, and you, you know, they are mentors. They could be mentors. So that means parents and grandparents and aunties you have to talk to the children too. So that's okay. the challenge for the adults listening to this. Talk to your children and make sure they have a conversation, engage a conversation with them. That's my wisdom. How about that's, you, Tim? Well, that's wonderful. That's just a wonderful wisdom. I'm kind of basking in it because I'm thinking of all the opportunities that you know young people can have if you know if if they speak up at least loud enough for people you know people to hear you. And it and it and it shows. I was when you were talking about the school. I was thinking, you know, say hello to the teachers who are not your teachers. You know, hello. Mrs. Smith. Hello, Mrs. And, you know, and over time you do get comfortable speaking to adults that, you know, that you're not, uh, you know, in their circle all the time. That's a great one, Wanda. Well, mine is, I have to tell you, uh, uh, mine is one that goes very deeply because it's what I learned from my mom. My mother was an expert seamstress. And uh, one of the things she loved to do was to sew and talk. And, you know, this was before little telephones with so and so you couldn't you couldn't hold the phone on your ear, you know, and okay. so at the same time. And so I was the last child in the family, of course. So I was there. So I would sit in the sewing room and she would talk. And she would talk quite frankly, very inappropriately sometimes to a kid. You know, I was six and seven years old. And one of the things that I remember her saying is, don't go out in the street telling everybody how good, how generous, how romantic how handsome your man is, you know, again, I was probably five or six, but it was, it was fascinating to me. And, you know, I think now at least times mama said, you you know, you do that, then, you know, other folks will, will, you know, notice him as well. And, you know, then you'll have competition for other women. Don't be going out there. You know, next thing you know, y'all be a divorce. That's what she would say. Uh And so I would take, took this in until I was like 18 or 19 and kind of understood what she was saying. But, you know, but in this time of social media, overflow, you know, social media addiction, you know, where we are telling everything, good news, bad news, you know, pictures of the, um, uh, the, the baby, you know, in, uh, vitro, you know, before it's even born, you know, we know what the, what the gender, the gender is exactly all of these things. You know, we share too much. We really share too much. You know, we, you, we need to keep our business, you know, uh, uh, to ourselves and, no, Tina, that reminds me of that, that song, Take Nobody's <laughs> Business If I Do. <laughs> oh, Bessie Smith's song. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the yes. I love the line if uh if I take a notion to jump in the ocean, ain't nobody's business if I take nobody's business if I do. So if if I go to church on Sunday and sing the shimmy down all day Monday, Wanda. <laughs> Ain't nobody's nobody's business business if I do. I love it. I love it. yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great wisdom. Keep your business to yourself, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, here we go, Wanda. Another another episode of Two Old Chicks Who Know A Lot Of Shit in the Tubes. 
We are we're so pleased to have you with us as we are all the time. You know, if you're on social media, please remember to subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter or as Chicks Old or on IG at Two Old Chicks Podcast. That's Two Old Chicks Podcast. Wanda? And also remember um, that the collection of essays that oh. Tina and I co-edited is Meeting at the Table, African-American Women Write on Race, Culture, and Community. And it's available at DownSouthPress.com. That's DownSouthPress.com. We thank you for your business. And until next time, look out for yourself and each other. Love and peace. Bye-bye, everybody. Love, love. <laughs>